Welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air, presented by the WellMed Charitable Foundation with nationally known gerontologist Carol Zernio and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron. This program provides health, wellness, and other information for caregivers who are vital to the health and well-being of so many people across our country. Now, here are your hosts, Ron Aaron and Carol Zernio. Well, thank you very much, and welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. Carol is the executive director of the WellMed Charitable Foundation, a graduate of Trinity University here in San Antonio, Texas, and earned her master's degree in social gerontology from the University of the Incarnate Word, and she has been in the aging business for a whole lot of years. Hard to believe when you think about how many years you got into aging before there were old people. That's right. Well, yeah, that's exactly. The old people who are old now were young when I started. Isn't that something? <laughs> There you go. What led you into this career? Um, I was, you know, living here in San Antonio, and my grandmother had had a stroke, and she needed help because uh, she couldn't drive anymore, but I was not there. She was in Amarillo? She was in Amarillo, so I adopted an older person who had macular degeneration here that was in my apartment complex, and so I would drive him to the grocery store once a week, and he would take me to a local diner, which as a starving recent college grad, you know, was quite the feast. That's cool. Uh, and that was kind of the deal we had. So you took him shopping, he took you to dinner. That's right. We set him up for the week. So we nice. did that once a week. I like that. Yeah. That's and nice. you've stuck with a career and ever I, since. I stuck with it. Well, we're welcoming to our Caregiver SOS on air hotline a woman who has spent a lot of years understanding and working with caregivers. Dr. Ebony Green has a doctorate degree, a registered nurse, author, educator, and founder of Caregiver Support Services. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, her recent publication, Understanding Grief, a Guide for Grieving caregivers. Dr. Green, welcome to Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm so happy to be here with you today. We're delighted to have you on board. Like I asked Carol, what led you into a field dealing with caregivers? Well, my primary interest was long-term care. Uh, My grandmother was a nurse and um, really instilled the value of community. And um, so I started my career as a nursing assistant and then found out about the role that a long-term care administrator plays in long-term care, and that became my career aspiration. I um, completed my master's degree and um, worked in a long-term care setting and found out that was not my special calling, and so um, really fell into, from working in long-term care, really fell into um, wanting to help families because so many would be very confused when it came to um, needing to admit a loved one to a long-term care setting. And so I kind of found my niche and calling through helping caregivers in long-term care. And you write in your bio that one of the things that uh, you have enjoyed doing is assisting caregivers through the major transitional phases of caring for an aging loved one. And those transitional phases very often end up with what you're talking about now, and that's grieving because many of the care recipients do pass away. Yeah, and it's one of those things that um, you may be experiencing while you're providing care. So you may have some changes in the relationship, uh, changing care needs, and so you may not notice that you're grieving while your loved one is, is still living or the person that you're caring for is still living. And so that can catch you off guard then when you do 
lose a loved one and you um, are now dealing with those compounded issues of, of sadness and grief. So do you find it difficult to bring up the topic of grief or introduce this idea in a society where we really don't want to talk about grief as a society, maybe not as caregivers, but is it is it a difficult subject to bring up? Well, I, I would say yes. Um, one of the, this is one of the topics that maybe when I finished my, my second book like 10 years ago, um, I, I knew I wanted to write about grief, but it took me a really long time to um, even find the courage to face my own sadness. And so I think that, yes, um, everything moves so fast, and we don't necessarily have the opportunity or take the opportunity to feel. And I think that that can be um, uh, a challenge because if you're not actually able to um, connect with your feelings, when you do, it can be really, really um, challenging to come out of it. Well, I can remember we had a, it was a symposium in the fall, and there was a caregiver that stood up and said, if you're grieving, get off the bus. She said, just get off the bus, stop, feel your pain, acknowledge that you, you know, are hurting and that you're grieving. And then once you acknowledge it and feel it, get back on the bus and keep going. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And, and I think sometimes the fear is that if you do feel, you will get stuck in the emotion and the sadness. Um, but again, I think it can lead to complicated grief later on down the road if you haven't had an opportunity to um, to get off the bus and, and, and feel a little bit and be human and, and acknowledge that um, you are, in fact, feeling, you know, feeling sad or frustrated or angry, um, all those feelings that can be associated with grief. Let's talk more about that in a minute. But first, I want to tell folks who may have just joined us, you're listening to Caregiver SOS On Air. On 9.30 a.m. The Answer, I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here. And on our Caregiver SOS On Air hotline, we're talking with Dr. Ebony Green. Uh, she is a registered nurse, has a doctorate degree. And we're talking about uh, grief, caregiving, and how caregivers can deal with grief. So you just mentioned a term, complicated grief. What do you mean by that? Well, sometimes when we are um, grieving and we have... Um, compounded feelings, like you're not just normally, you're not just feeling the normal, um, I'm sad or I'm angry or I'm feeling um, lonely. You are um, experiencing this really deep, intense sadness. I can kind of describe it. It's like you are, um, when you're trying to scoop your, scoop yourself out of um, sand, and so as you're scooping the sand, more sand is filling in. Um, that feeling for six months or longer is what we generally will term complicated grief. So just feeling like you're hopeless, like you're lost, like you can't get up and participate um, in daily activities. It's just a throbbing um, sadness. So in that case, you really are stuck in your grief. Yes. And do you know that? I think that um, sometimes people are aware of it, and um, sometimes you're not aware, and you have to have someone let you remind you or acknowledge that um, 
or recognize that you maybe what you're experiencing is grief. And I'll be a little more specific. Um, my husband and I have been caregivers for his mother, and um, she passed away a little over a year ago. And so um, he he did a lot more of the primary caregiving. And when I was writing this uh, book, he I didn't share most of it with him until it was completely done. It's a little bit different process that we use this time. And he was really, really um, grieving. And I don't think until I said, cause he, you know, like not um, wanting to participate in things, not really wanting to, wearing the same things day in and day out, um, just really uh, disconnected. And so once he read through some of the content, he recognized in himself that he was really um, experiencing a complicated grief, and we had a discussion about it. Um, for me, I stayed really busy, and uh, so it was only after maybe about five or six months that I even started to allow myself to feel, and when I sometimes get overwhelmed, I will um, recognize that, whoa, I'm getting really um, stuck in my sadness, and so I need to do something to address that. So I think that um, even when you're in a professional setting and you know all the things that you should be doing, it's difficult. So uh, for families who um, may not be thinking about the fact that this is grief, it may be difficult for them to, to, to recognize that what they're experiencing is just intense sadness. And, and when you come across families like that, and I'm assuming, but you can correct me, that the organization you and Terrence, your husband, founded Caregiver Support Services, that you do provide help for those who are going through some of the difficulties of caregiving, including grieving. Yes, we do. And we try to make sure that we have resources and um, content and um, webinars and things of that nature to connect with folks who are perhaps grieving and to get them connected with um, organizations that can help them address their individual needs. What led the two of you to found that organization? Well, we were um, uh, college, uh, just graduating from college, and um, I was working in long-term care and, and admissions. And we started in Sioux City, Iowa. We started a group at the nursing home I was working at called the Geriatric Support Group. And then he's from Omaha, and we re- relocated after we um, both finished our degrees here and did a kind of a little um, survey of the needs in the community. And so that's how we started, just um, identifying that we knew it was a need in in Iowa and what would be the need here now that we're in Nebraska and we've been able to do some really wonderful things. Well, I noticed in the information about your organization that you also mentioned, you say the grieving family and frontline caregivers. So does this mean that you also work with those direct caregivers that are, you know, come into the home and help bathe and dress maybe from a home health agency? We do. And and I find that that is a group um, frontline caregivers, and I have an affinity because that's how I started my career. Um, it was as a, a nursing assistant in, in long-term care in a nursing home, and then I did, um, in my nursing, my RN year, I uh, worked in home health. And I find that um, there's so many things that happen 
for the family caregiver when um, you lose someone that you love, but also the relationship that frontline caregivers develop with those that they're caring for can be like family. And so there are profound changes that um, a person goes through or experiences when they are um, even a professional and they're going in and they're caring for someone either in their home or in the long-term care setting. We're going to come back and to you. And that often gets overlooked. We're going to come back to you in a minute. I want to talk as well about something that uh, you spend time on, and that's the importance of self-care while caring for a loved one. You're listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Carol Zerniel. And on our Caregiver SOS on our hotline, talking with Dr. Ebony Green, and we're talking about caring for the caregiver. We are excited to bring you the all-new WellMed Radio. Our goal is to help make listeners healthier by focusing on health and wellness for adults everywhere. The new WellMed Radio features Dr. Joshua Beck, an outstanding family physician and attorney and veteran broadcaster, Ron Aaron. Ooh, that's me. Each week, we will focus on health prevention and wellness that's critical to the quality of life. WellMed Radio, Saturday mornings at 7, Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. on 930 a.m. The Answer. Well, we thank you so much for riding along with us on Caregiver SOS On Air. I'm Ron Aaron. Our co-host, Carol Zerniel, is here, and we're talking with Dr. Ebony Green. Uh, she is a registered nurse, author, educator, and founder of Caregiver Support Services. And one of the things that you focus on is something that uh, we often touch on here on Caregiver SOS On Air, and that's self-care for the caregiver who's caring for a loved one or client. Why is self-care important? Well, we all run the risk of burning out, and as we've been talking um, today, it can be really challenging to not only um, provide care for someone that you love or for a client, but to also um, recognize that you need to do things for yourself to ensure that you can do the best job that you can do um, while you're providing care. I, I think that sometimes what happens in uh, something that I've recognized that happens is that we will often tell uh, caregivers to take care, take care of yourself. And that just sounds so abstract, I think, sometimes, and it, so that it could be really important for us to take a moment and give some um, ideas about and suggestions about what you can actually do. I think that is very, very important. And at Caregiver Support Services, we use a caregiver wellness model, and it's based on um, nine components of wellness, but seven that you've probably seen um, in, in most models for wellness. And we include empowerment and resilience because that's what we need to do to provide care over the long haul. And, we, and when we say take care, we often provide some actionable things that you can do for yourself. Like what? So, for example, maybe you are um, stressed out. So maybe there's a, some stress, de-stressing activities that you can do. Maybe your stress is related to financial um, wellness, so you really need to be able to do some planning for your loved one and, um, and yourself for the future. So we have resources that specifically focus on, um, on, on where you can find financial resources or um, getting documentation in order for your loved one. So we really look at each of the nine components, and then there are suggestions for each um, area of your life where you may need assistance. 
So how would that differ if you were a grieving caregiver? So you've given some self-care tips uh, for general caregiving. Is there anything else different that you would provide to someone who is really grieving for self-care? Yeah, I I think for self-care with grieving, I think that there are things that you can do that would be specific, like maybe um, some journaling exercises. Um, I have found that to be helpful in my own grief to really acknowledge and recognize where my pain um, is coming from. And to to recognize, too, that part of that pain that I'm experiencing is normal and natural. We also have um, on our site some relaxation and meditation exercises that can be helpful during the grieving process. So self-care does... um, the, the actions that you're performing um, for self-care do uh, have an ebb and flow when you are providing care and the, the things that you need to do for yourself when you are now grieving um, can vary. Now, we know that many folks in that situation, as caregivers as well as those who are grieving, often feel like the Lone Ranger. They don't have people around them. They don't accept help. They don't reach out. What is your advice to them on how to do that? I think that's really difficult because most of the time, those of us who are in the caring role, um, we we have take ownership in making sure that our loved ones are being cared for. And so what I find even in communications with other caregivers is that um, if we don't get siblings and um, family members and if you need to hire an agency involved in the care process, early on, it can be very difficult to feel comfortable um, bringing that help in down the road. So I'm not saying that hope is lost if you are in the middle of caregiving and now you're feeling like you are um, extremely overwhelmed. But find out what it is that you feel most comfortable with doing. I call them your um, caregiver-related spiritual gifts. And then also look for family and um, agencies or services that might assist you in the things that you don't feel comfortable with. For example, I, being having a history as a nurse, when my mother-in-law would need personal assistance, personal care, I have no problem with that, whereas my husband would be very uncomfortable. So um, he's a person who did more of the financial and the documentation, um, maybe going and sitting with her at the doctor's office. And I did more of the personal management, looking at medications. And we made sure that we had uh, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law involved in the care, her care. And sometimes we had to call and say, hey, we really need you to step up and, and, and help out. Um, but I think that that can be challenging if you haven't, you know, you don't have a close relationship with siblings or um, family members, or you just you really feel like it's easier, it's less stressful to do it yourself. Um, Men- so I think that it can be challenging. Mentioning that you reached out to your family to, to join you in that effort, uh, I noted in your bio that uh, you worked on, uh, as an expert advisor, Right Conversations, a guide designed to facilitate care conversations between caregivers and their aging loved ones. What are some of the tips that come out of that work? So there are 10 really great tips that are included in the right conversations, including um, involving family members from the start, making sure that you have 
um, adequate documentation. So there are some um, some handouts, some some tip sheets that are included with that Rife Conversations Guide where you can document um, both the needs of your loved one and then the services that they already have. Also, to recognize that just because you're prepared to have the conversation or a conversation with your aging loved one um, doesn't mean that they are equally mentally prepared or siblings may not be equally mentally prepared for the conversation. So to recognize that you will probably have a series of conversations and to, um, to discuss what the needs are and keep that focus on what it is that your loved one is wanting and needing rather than maybe revisiting um, past frustrations or family um, conflicts, but to keep that your loved one at the center of everything that you're talking about and doing. It's interesting. As my dad age, I tried to get him to uh, help me fill out one of those books a grandparent writes to their grandchild, filling out his history and the things uh, that excited him, the things he did. So uh, his grandchildren at some point could get a better sense of him. He absolutely refused. <laughs> he said, I'm not going to do that. And he didn't. <laughs> oh, he must have been friends with my dad. Who Same also, thing? Oh, yeah, he's not going <laughs> to do that. Wow. I always <laughs> wanted him to do that. And, you know, I regret to this day, now that he's gone, uh, that he hadn't done that. Well, luckily, Your my, dad's my, still dad's, here. my dad's getting, you know, the opportunity to have conversations. But, yeah, that's yeah, – I think you bring up a very good point. We're not always in the same place when it comes to having conversations. You know, it can be either one of us, us as, us as caregivers or the family member. They can say, nope, I don't want to talk about that. And that was it, boy. Door closed. As- my dad is a, um, a retired uh, Marine, and I'm uh, only child. And um, he was very ill. Uh, my, my stepmother's a um, retired um, flight surgeon. And they he was really ill. And I had called. I, I just could feel that something was going on. Let me call and check. And I called and checked. And they're, oh, he's fine. Don't worry. And I go on Facebook, and my uncle was um, had posted something. And my dad had been um, life-flighted to the Cleveland Clinic. And so, you know, sometimes parents just are not going to, he's considered, I'm, I'm, I'm a mature woman, but he still considers me as a baby. And so sometimes I can't um, get information um, out of him. Like, like and, being air, you know, airy vac to, to a hospital? Yeah. Yeah, yeah my family tell, would do I that too. I called to him wow. and didn't tell me a thing about it. So. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, yeah. it's inter- it is interesting, I, you know, this the idea of the relationship where you are in age, you know, doesn't really matter at times. Um, but there's just so much about relationships that can make uh, caregiving go one way or the other, share information, not share information. Things go well. Things get really difficult. Um, and I don't think that we can underestimate that. And, and just even acknowledging, oh, this is about the relationship that we have versus, you know, they're doing something on purpose to make this hard on me. So, Dr. Right. Green, we got about a minute and a half left. What's the advice you'd like to pass on to caregivers uh, as they begin that journey? To really um, recognize the importance of getting all the information that you can possible to take care of yourself and if you don't know how you want to start to do that please look at the wellness model where you can get some in our ask emma tool where you can get some really good suggestions 
and um, and if you need to talk to someone like a therapist or a counselor, to not be afraid to do that either. You 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 matter, and it will help you in the long run to care for your loved one. Now you mentioned that you have a website. What's that address, and what will folks find there? You mentioned a few things. What else? Caregiversupportservices.org is our website, and we have an Ask Emma tool, and Emma walks you through um, a series of questions, and you answer those questions, and she'll give you where are you doing well as far as caring for yourself, and one suggestion, one area of focus where you might work to improve your overall well-being, which will give you some self-care tips. Emma is an avatar. What is Emma? Yeah, Emma is an avatar. She will actually talk to you and let you know, um, you know, what your score is for your wellness score. Here's where you're doing well. And then here's some, a free book chapter and here are some um, additional resources that may help you with your financial wellness or your spiritual wellness or your occupational wellness on down the line. And does she have artificial intelligence to anticipate things you, you need to know but don't know? She's not that smart yet. <laughs> she's, she's young. She's a young avatar. But you can go back and take uh, take the quiz again, and you'll get different results and and um, work on the next Perfect. area where you might be needing assistance. Got to stop you right here. You've been a delight to talk to, and I really appreciate it. If you want to check her out on the Internet, caregiversupportservices.org. Ebony Green, thank you very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed this immensely. You take care. Bye-bye. Ebony Green, and we're delighted to have her on board. I'm Ron Aaron, along with Carol Zerniel. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air on 930 AM, The Answer. You've been listening to Caregiver SOS on air, an exclusive presentation of the WellMed Charitable Foundation. We welcome emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. Join co-hosts Carol Zerniel and Ron Aaron next week for more on caregiving, improving the health and well-being of caregivers and their care recipients everywhere. For more on caregiving and podcasts of our programs, visit caregiversos.org.